We'll get into those notes then in just a bit for the new series that we're starting today for the next several weeks called Get a Life. It's really about helping you develop your life plan. Get a life. But uh, I wanted to just mention a couple of things. On Wednesdays, every Wednesday, we have our midweek program at 7 o'clock. So we, you're all encouraged to attend. We have uh, ministries for all ages. And then on Friday at uh, 6.30, I believe that's the time for the friends group. That's the 60 and over group. What time is it? 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock, the uh, friends group is meeting here for a night of uh, fun and fellowship and food. And uh, they're going to play board games. So that's this uh, Friday night. It's uh, actually Saturday night, isn't it? Other than that, I've got it down. I don't have the time and I don't have the day. Saturday at 6 uh, here at the uh, building for that. And then uh, we didn't have this in the program. We'll have it uh, next week. But our uh, family event, our next family event is in the middle of March, the 12th. And on that Saturday, we're having bowling. Uh, we did that last year and we had a great time. And bring your kids and uh, to Woodhaven Lanes. And the cost is $7 per person per for uh, two games and shoe rental, and it's a maximum of $28 per family. So if you have more than four in your family, then uh, then the others are, are free beyond four. Uh, so $7 for that. You can mark that. It's uh, March the 12th, a Saturday, from 1 o'clock to uh, 3 o'clock. But that will be in the program next week. All right, today we begin a series called Get a Life. Everybody has uh, some notes then? And this is just the introductory notes for today's session. We have already copied a, uh, a booklet of 30-some pages for the remaining sessions that we'll be doing. But we, we're handing this one out separately, and then you'll get the uh, stapled notebook uh, next week. But this is a series that we have offered a few times over the years, uh, sometimes in our summer sessions that uh, we've done on Saturdays. Uh, for folks to get align their lives around around God's purpose. And if you were here for the first hour today, you heard me talk a good bit about what that purpose is. So you're getting a double whammy, uh, both with that and now what I'm what I'm going to be talking about today. But as I've taught that over the years, I've likened someone who is purposeless to teenagers walking around in a mall. Uh, now the teenagers are in here, so I can pick on them. But my daughter's a teenager, so don't tell her I said this, okay? But teenagers walking around in a mall is a, is a very aimless group. They have no money. They're just walking around in packs. I like to call them packs of teenagers. And they very rarely actually buy anything in these, in these packs. They're just marauding around through the, through the mall and wander into a store, wander out of a store, uh, but it's all pretty aimless. They're just killing time. Now, that's teenagers, and so they can be excused for being teenagers. Teenagers also, on a Friday night or a Saturday night, tend to drive around aimlessly. And it's amazing. If you ask a teenager at, say, 6 o'clock on a Friday evening, uh, hey, are you going to so-and-so's party? They might say something like, quote, I might stop by. Now, it's 6 o'clock, and they don't know what they're doing that night. And all of the things that are laid before them are just options that they might do. They've got no plan. They just drive around, 
and they don't happen to life, life happens to them. The circumstances just sort of drive the night for them. Well, that's teenagers. As I said, they could be excused. But some of you have heard me say over the years that unfortunately those teenagers grow up to be adults. (laughs) And adults who pursue the same kind of aimlessness in other ways. Including Christian people. Christian people who, of all people, should be able to... Uh, should be able to know their purpose and define their lives around that purpose. But nevertheless, all too often, Christian people are just as aimless as are our teenagers. And so how does that look? Well, for Christian people, it looks like folks who believe the end game has already been taken care of. And the end game is just, I'm going to heaven. So if I pray to prayer and receive Jesus as Savior then the answer to the most important question in life, what's your final destination, has already been answered. So now I'm just waiting until that. I'm really just biding time until I go to heaven. Which raises to me a logical question. If the only thing God wants to know the answer to is whether or not you're going to heaven, then once you've received Jesus, that question has been answered, right? Then why doesn't he just take you home? Well, here's why. Because you've got stuff to do. But too many people act as if they don't. That they're just biding their time until the great by and by. And that is why some of you have heard me say, for too many people, life is one big Bill Naps. <laughs> now, you, you remember Bill Naps? And my family... Enjoyed Bill Knapps back when it was open and our girls were very small. In fact, one of our girls said something about it just the other day, how much they, they missed, missed that. We used to go, but we would always be the youngest people there. Because Bill Knapps was known as a place where seniors would, would go. In fact, so much was it known as a place where seniors would go, it became known by the nickname of God's Waiting Room. <laughs> It's God's waiting room. And that's why I say for too many people, life's just one big Bill Naps. Life's just God's waiting room. I am just waiting through life and waiting until Jesus takes me home. But in the meantime, what is it I'm supposed to be about? What is it I'm supposed to be supposed to be doing? And that's why then at the top of page one in your notes, we talk about... The priority of purpose. This class is about aligning our lives with God's purpose for us. But why should we take the time? Why should you take the time to come over the next several weeks to take a class called Get a Life? Why should you do that? What are the benefits to understanding and living for our God-given purpose? Well, first, I want you to think about the consequences of not knowing your purpose. And then we'll look at the benefits of, of actually knowing your purpose. And there's a book in your Bible... Solomon uh, wrote Ecclesiastes, and I believe that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes later in life so that he's able to look back on his life and he's able to give the experiences of his life so that we can benefit from his experience without having to experience it ourselves. Solomon is a guy who literally had it all. I mean, had it all. He had money, he had power, 
He had, he had women. He had, he had everything that the world says you would want. And yet he writes a book of 12 chapters to say that ultimately it's all Hevel. It is all, that's the Hebrew word for meaningless or in the King James, vanity. It's empty. It's unfulfilling. So here's a guy who's an expert on what it means to go through a good portion of your life pursuing things that are not related to your, your purpose. And so we have some quotes from Ecclesiastes in these points. Without knowing your purpose, A there, life will seem tiresome. Without purpose, life will just wear you out. You'll lose your energy, your spark, and your motivation. Now, many of you here, many of us here, are tired. And that may be just because we're getting older. It may just be because of the many things that we have to juggle. But I, I say that to say that, look, even if you do know your purpose... As we age and as we have increased responsibilities at different phases of our lives, life is going to be tiresome enough. But it's going to be all the more tiresome if you don't know why you're doing it. So life is can wear you out. Life certainly can impinge upon us in a way that we feel lose our energy, our spark. But if you don't know why you're going through all of that, then you'll tire out, tire you out all the more. We need to be able to answer the question, where do I or where do it fit in? Where do I and wh- or where do it, the thing that I'm involved with or the things that I'm involved with, where do I and where do they fit into the big picture? And if I don't know my purpose, I can't answer that question. And if I can't answer that question, then I'm just going through this monotony day after day. And why? I believe that was one of the consequences of the sin of the Israelites. When Moses led them out of Egypt, and you remember that God told them that they were to go into the promised land and they were to conquer the promised land. And you remember they sent spies in to, to find out if you know, this would be a good time to do, say, the will of God. <laughs> You know, we're not so sure. God told us to do it, so let's find out if it's safe to do the will of God. And you remember they came back and 10 of the 12 said, no, we can't do it. Only two recommended they do it, Joshua and Caleb. They did that spying for 40 days and God's anger burned upon them. And he said, "For, uh, for your disobedience for those 40 days, I will assign to you one year for every day that you disobeyed to wander in the wilderness. The reason they wandered for 40 years is because they disobeyed for those 40 days and not going in and doing what God said. And toward the end of his life, Moses, who saw this calamity take place and, of course, led the Israelites in that 40-year sojourn, toward the end of his life, he wrote exactly one of the Psalms that appears in the book of Psalms. He wrote Psalm number 90. And in Psalm number 90, the key verse in Psalm 90 is verse 12, where Moses says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Do you remember that? Number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. But that's right in the middle. There's 17 verses there. Verse 12, he says, teach us to number our days aright. But just before that, he says, Lord, you sweep men away in the dust of death. And he talks about, in those opening verses of Psalm 90, how temporary life is, how transient life is. 
here one day and gone the next. And, and, and why, does he, why does he say that? Why, do, why does he go into all this? You know, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, he starts out the psalm. But then he talks about the brevity of life for, for people. Here's why. Because he's at the, toward the end of his life, and for 40 years, he's seen people dying all over the place. He's seen 1.2 million people die over those 40 years. Because God said, because you sinned, none of you are going to make it into the promised land. And 1.2 million of them left Egypt. They all died. So over these 40 years, he saw 1.2 million people die. I've done the math on this. That means there were three to four people dying on average every 15 minutes. Now, sometimes they died in, in clumps. You know, so it wasn't a smooth. But on average, it was three to four every 15 minutes. So, you know, Moses, Moses didn't know Andy Warhol, who said everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> but from God's eternal perspective, he's saying everybody gets their 15 minutes of life. And not only did they all die not being able to see the promised land. But in between, there was the 40 years of the rat race. Because as you read through what they went through, what they did, what their day-to-day existence was, it was get up, it was take the tent down, it was to move on, gather food, and then put the tent back up and go to sleep and gather food. Now that's the monotonous rat race, isn't it? And that was part of the consignment, part of the, part of the punishment for the sin. It was not just they didn't see the promised land. They, they, they knew they weren't going to see the promised land. And they knew none of them were going to live to see it save Joshua and Caleb. And yet here they are going through the monotony of life. Now, that's why I say without your purpose, you're just going through the motions. We're just going through the motions. We are just participating in the rat race of life. Think about, to perhaps make it a little more uh, applicable to us, think about someone working in a company, a large company that makes a, a product, but you have one piece of that tens of thousands of person, corporation, and product. Tens of thousands of people are employed by this corporation. You're just one of them, and you sit in a cubicle somewhere in the bowels of that thing. And every day you go in there to do your work. And if you never know what the end game is, and some of you have jobs like this. I've had, I've had that job as a computer programmer. Go into my cubicle, you know, put your head down, keep your head down on the screen. You know, there, there was one place I worked where we didn't even see the light. I didn't see the light of day for six months. It was in Troy. I lived down here. When I got up, it was dark. When I got there, my cubicle was in the basement. There were no windows. And when I left, it was dark. So it's just a, it's that kind of rat race existence. And what got me, and what got me through that was knowing that everything that I do fits into a larger picture. I had to remind myself regularly, everything that God lays before me sits, fits into the larger picture. There's a purpose a purpose for everything under heaven and a time for everything under heaven. And do you remember that Solomon said that very thing, the same Solomon in this very same book, chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes? 
Before the birds recorded, turn, turn, turn. There is a season. They plagiarized that from none other than Solomon. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time to every purpose under heaven. But if you don't, if you don't know that, then you'll easily find yourself in, in the rat race. And that is why the Bible... And so you're that person, before I go to the, what the Bible says, that's why you're that person in the bowels of that building. And if you don't see the end product for that, and you don't know that there's a purpose that God has for everything that he brings into your life, that's going to be a monotony that will, monotony that will sap the energy out of your life. Think about the person on the car line. Maybe some of you work on the assembly line. And your job on the and I've never worked on the assembly line, but you know you got one thing to do when the stuff goes by you. You know you put that bolt in that hole. I don't I don't know how it works. You drill that hole. You do whatever it is. You're, but the thing goes by and it's just going by and you're doing that and you're doing that all day and every day. And that is why the Bible gives us the big picture. The big picture of two things: the picture of our identity, who I am. In Christ, how do I fit in? I fit in because I'm a child of God and he has a purpose for everything I do. But also it gives us the big picture of the final act in the drama of life. The Bible tells us what the end game is here. And that we have an active role in getting to that end game. That's one of the reasons there's a book of Revelation in your Bible. To tell you what the end is. It's not for you, contrary to what some of you think. It's not for you to look at every license plate to see if they have 666 on it. It's not for you to get wigged out about conspiracy theories about what the Antichrist is up to. It's not for you to identify, you know, that Obama is the Antichrist or Hillary is the Antichrist or, you know, Ted Cruz is the i got to throw a Republican in there as a, to be even-handed. That's not why the Bible gives us the book of Revelation. The Bible gives us the book of Revelation to say God's got everything that's going on in control and it's going to come out exactly as he has planned. So I got to know where I fit in. And if I don't, life will seem tiresome. It's already going to be tiresome enough. So Solomon describes that kind of existence in your notes there in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. He says, the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. And the point he makes is without purpose, we seem to be spinning our wheels, running in circles, doing the same thing over and over with no progress. So without purpose, it will seem tiresome. Secondly, without purpose, life will seem unfulfilling. Not only do you need to answer the question, and thankfully the Bible does for us, where do I and where does it fit in, but also what's it for? Whatever's happening in my life, what is it for? And without knowing that, it will seem unfulfilling. Without that, you'll never be satisfied. You'll always be wrestling with discontent. So you will be like, and uh, I'm going to name a few uh, famous theologians. Uh, Bob Seger, who sings of that great theologian, Bob Seger, who sings of 
the beautiful loser. And you finally realize you just can't have it all. The beautiful loser. Or those great theologians, the strolling bones. I mean the rolling stones. (laughs) Somebody said watching Keith Richard play the guitar is like watching a monkey with arthritis. (laughs) Let's get that image. With the Rolling Stones, and of course, I can't get no what? I can't get no satisfaction. Because there's a man on the TV telling me how white my shirts could be. But he can't really be a man because he don't smoke the same cigarettes as me. I can't get no. Do you see what he's saying there? I've got people telling me all the stuff I need. I need whiter shirts. I need better cigarettes. But none of it satisfies. I can't get no satisfaction. Or you could be like those famous theologians, the Eagles. Or maybe it's after the Eagles broke up. I don't know. But Desperado. And you ain't getting no younger. And your pain and your hunger are driving you home. Freedom, well, freedom, that's just some people talking. whole thing is about somebody who's wandering through life unfulfilled and unsatisfied. Now, the reason I quote those guys is this. (laughs) They sing that, and yet they still pursue their same aimless lives. And many people buy that and listen to that, but still pursue their same aimless lives. Talk about foolishness. Without purpose, you'll never be satisfied. You'll always be wrestling with discontent. And so again, Ecclesiastes, the eye never has enough of seeing. The ear, it's full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new. And so when somebody asks you, hey, what's going on? Here's your response. Same what? Same old. But You know, if we really get a hold of this, it's not for the Christian. It's not same old. Every day your mercies are new. Every day is a new day. For me to fit into and to pursue the purpose that God has for me. But without that purpose, unfulfilling. Thirdly, without knowing your purpose, life will seem uncontrollable. Uncontrollable. That is, the stuff that goes on in your life will look like it's random. I don't know if random's still a teen word. Larry, is random still a teen word? Uh, You haven't heard it in a while? Okay. But I would hear random when my girls were teenagers. I would say something, and they would look at me with that teenage blank look, and they would say, well, that was random. Like, that doesn't fit into, what you just said, Dad, doesn't fit into anything that's relevant in my life at all. Completely random, unconnected. But if you don't have purpose, your life will seem like that. Stuff happens that's not connected. It's just random. It's just out there. But if you have purpose from God's perspective, 
then there's no such thing as a random molecule in the entire universe. There's not one maverick molecule anywhere. That every piece of it is moving exactly as God designed it to move at his pace and at his time. But Ecclesiastes says, what is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. He's referring to situations beyond our control and everything and more things will look to be beyond your control without purpose. So look at page two then. How do I find purpose? That's the consequences of not knowing. How do I find it? Well, you've got a couple of ways. Solomon concluded, if you don't know the purpose of your life, it ends up being meaningless, tiresome, unfulfilling, uncontrollable. So what to do? you got two options. Make up your own. And do you understand, dear friends, that this is what everybody in the world is doing? Everybody in the world is making up their own. And I, I have so many things to thank God for. So, so very many things. But one of those many things is that somehow in his providence and his grace to me, growing up in a Christian home, having the privilege of graduating from a a Christian high school, you know, everybody has their own path. I'm just telling you, this was my path and, and God was gracious to me. And so as a young man, I was, I learned to be skeptical of what the world was selling. I am so thankful that I was skeptical of what the world was dealing I can still remember going on my first job interviews after college to get a computer job. And I remember being in the Renaissance Center and a suite way up at the top, near the top of the Renaissance Center and interviewing with three persons on an interviewing team. And they had this beautiful view of Windsor and the river and all of that stuff. And the suite had all of the trappings and they were all dressed to the nines. And something inside of me just said, this is not where it is. These are the trappings. This is the wrapping that's being offered, but this is not where it is. And, and, and if you don't get that at a young age, and it's only by God's grace, nothing special about me, just by God's grace, somehow he taught me that. Something inside, the spirit of God inside of me said, this is not what you're going to chase. But if you don't, you start chasing that. How long will you be chasing that? You make up your own and it comes in all sorts of varieties. You can try to make up some meaning. People do it all the time. They try to create meaning through a hobby, a sport, a craft, a career, something else. It might be fun, but inside people know there's more to life than this. Something is missing. Just please understand God's holy people. Remember, holy is set apart, different. God's holy people, if you're part of that, if you're part of God's holy people, then remember, you're not buying what the world is selling. And every one of them are doing this. They're making it up. They're making up what meaning is. They're making it look good. Satan has a great advertising department. It's the manufacturing piece he can't do. He advertises beautiful. He can't deliver what he advertises. So do you understand that so that you're not drawn away by that? You can make up your own. That's what everybody's doing. Or you can discover God's purpose. Thank goodness there's a second option. 
The second option is to discover what God says is the purpose of life. That's what we're going to be looking at in the weeks ahead. He's the creator of life, and so he certainly ought to know the meaning and the purpose for it. So what are the benefits then? Well, you have this famous statement from the great apostle in the book of Philippians where Paul the apostle says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Now there's a guy who knows how to live life. And yet his life looked totally different than what the world would tell you. Right? Totally different. This is the most fulfilled guy. This is the most satisfied guy. And yet you look at his life and the biography of his life that the, the Bible gives us and you go, really? That's what, that's what I'm going to pursue? But Jesus said you lose your life to gain it. And that's exactly what Paul did. And he could come to the end of his life. And in the last chapter of the last letter that we have from Paul in the, in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he could say the time of my departure is at hand. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. He's eager now. He could lay his head down on the executioner's chopping block and he could go home. But every day he knew his purpose and he was straining toward what was ahead. So this shows us four benefits of taking the time to discover the purpose of our lives. Knowing the purpose of your life will give that life focus. You won't be scattered and distracted. Paul says this, one thing I do. Friends, do not underestimate the benefit of this, of this focus. Let me give you one area where it will help you immensely. It's in decision making. If you're focused, if you know what you're about, now your decisions come down to this. Will this thing help me move and advance toward the purpose? Every decision I make now, will this thing help me move toward my purpose? Now, and if the answer is no or I don't know, then don't do it. If the answer is yes, that's how you make decisions. Whatever that thing is, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. So it'll focus, it'll help you with your decisions. Now, think about the alternative to that. I don't have that. I don't have that focus on my purpose. And now I'm going to make decisions. Oh, what am I going to do next month? What am I I going to be doing next year, 10 years from now? And many of you are in this situation where it's just whatever pops into your head is what you might be doing next year or five years from now or ten years from now because you don't have the single purpose. So anything could come along that sounds good. Hey, uh, how how you? Now it's a mild winter, so this illustration will fall flat. But in general, how do you enjoy January and February in Michigan? You know, it's pretty lousy. I've lived here my entire life, and I'll be turning 54 in March, been been here my entire life. 
And uh, I wish that the year had 10 months. I could do without January and February, generally. But in keeping with Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining. That's as far as I'm going with that, okay? But the truth is January and February are no fun. So, you know, every year you could be thinking about, you know, what, what do we want to do? Or, you know, where might we want to move? Or what next toy might we want to buy? Because it's not focused, everything is possible. Everything's a possible decision. And so you spend your time trying to process all of the possibilities when the truth is the only possibilities that ought to exist for us are to answer the question, will this thing that I'm contemplating move me toward the goal? And you do that... That's one of the great benefits. Now you don't have to worry about your decisions. Now I can make decisions that advance the ball toward the goal. So what's on your mind today? I mean, hopefully your mind's on what I've been saying, but for the five of you for whom that's true, what's, what's on your mind today or tomorrow or the next? And here's what, here's what the answer should be. Same thing as yesterday. Because I'm singly focused. What's on my mind for today is the same thing that it was yesterday. To fulfill the mission that God has given me. And that's why number two says, knowing the purpose of your life will simplify your life. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what's ahead. If you don't know your purpose, you'll have a hard time deciding where you should best invest your time, money, and energy. Trying to live without knowing what God made you for is like driving in a fog. It makes decision-making a lot harder. And then knowing the purpose of your life will increase your motivation in life. Next week, we're going to begin our worship service. The music folks tell me by... uh, Doing a song that we haven't done in the past, 10,000 Reasons. But it starts out, the sun comes up, a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. What about if you really, what about if you really looked at life like that? That every day is an opportunity, come what may, every day come what may, to sing your song again. To advance your purpose and your purpose for my life. That'll increase your motivation. No longer same old, same old. So in Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal. He knows what life is about and he heads straight forward. A clear objective is motivating. And then fourthly, knowing the purpose of your life will prepare you for eternity. I do all of this, says Paul, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Bible often, often reminds us that there is an accounting, there is an evaluation. That there will be the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul, who wrote that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says we must all appear. Includes himself, we must, and we must all. 
And we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the deeds done while in the body, whether good or bad. The truth is we don't think about that much, do we? We think about the fact that I'm thankful to God that I won't be at the great white throne judgment. That's the judgment for unbelievers. But we forget that there will be an evaluation of our lives. And Paul speaks of that evaluation not only in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He talks about a life that is built with gold and silver and precious stones or a life that's built of wood, hay, and stubble. But it's good for us, friends, not to scare. It is good for us because God's Word tells us this. It's good for us to think about the end game, to think about eternity, to think about standing before the Lord who owns you by right of creation and by right of redemption. And we will stand before Him and give an account for what we did. And before I move on to the conclusion here, it's very sobering. It's very sobering for me. It's sobering clearly for all of you. should be. But this should be a motivator, a positive motivator, not a negative motivator. Look, if you don't do this, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> That's not. The motivation ought to be, you know what? God is reminding me in his word that there is something much better for me to pursue, not only in the next life, but in this life. It should be a positive motivator for us, not just to avoid getting in trouble, but to enjoy the benefits of the, as the great apostle did, even in all the circumstances he had of knowing that he was pursuing his singular purpose. So in conclusion, please understand life on earth is preparation for eternity. Life as we know it is not all there is. It's not a cycle just going around and round. You have a destiny in eternity. You were made to last forever. One day your heart is going to stop beating. This will be the end of your time on earth, but not the end of you. You're going to last forever. There's nothing more satisfying than knowing what I'm going to do with my life, that what I'm going to do with my life will count for eternity. It's the desire of every believer to hear the master say, well done. What a thrill it would be to, at the end of our lives, be able to say, as I mentioned earlier with the great apostle, the time has come. And I fought the fight, finished the race, kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And I love this phrase at the end. Understand, friends, right now counts forever double entendre like right now this moment counts forever but doing right now counts forever so in the weeks to come we're going to give you a notebook to try to have your focus on what it is that god and my focus on what it is that god has placed us here and kept us here for let's ask god to help us then this week okay father thank you for meeting with us this day Thank you for allowing us the privilege of being here, the desire to be here, given us by your Holy Spirit. For apart from him, we could be and would be any place else but here. 
and doing anything but opening your word and thinking your thoughts after you. So thank you that we're here and that you've allowed us the privilege to, to open your word together and to be reminded that we are not people that are wandering aimlessly in the world. But we are people who have been called, but called to your purpose and to your mission. Help us to rejoice this afternoon and this week as we think about that, then, as we think about the life that you've allowed us to have and the circumstances that you have placed before us to carry out that, that purpose, whatever those be. None of them are random, none of them are outside of your, your control, and all of them contribute to advancing your mission if that's the direction we choose to go. And so, Lord, help us to rejoice in that, to meditate upon that this week. We ask you to help us to, to think about the things that we choose to do and the way we choose to do them so that they will bring pleasure to you, bring glory to you. And we ask, Lord, for your protective hand to keep us safe until we gather next Lord's Day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.